Hey everyone, welcome to Season 2 of Building Infinite Red, a podcast where the owners of Infinite Red, Todd Worth, Jamin Holmgren, and Gant Laborde, share stories and insights about what it's like to build a fully remote software consultancy. In today's episode, the owners discuss what we call the foundations and pillars of Infinite Red. You'll learn why they're so important to us and how they helped us establish our culture. All right, let's get into it. Welcome to Building Infinite Red. My name is Todd Worth, and I'm CEO founder of Infinite Red. Today, we're going to be talking about uh, something we call foundations and pillars, which is kind of like a mission statement but without all the eye rolling and the silliness <laughs> you get at most mission statements. Uh, it's basically what makes us us, what makes our culture our culture, what is the IR way, and we always use IR for Infinite Red. So we're going to talk about that. Joining me is Jamin Holmgren. Hey, everybody. Nice to be here again. And Gant Laborde. Hey. Let's start off and let's talk a little about what are the foundation and pillars. Jamin, could you uh, could you give us an overview of what that is? Yeah, sure. So um, I think it was about, uh, I would say, two years ago or so. Um, not quite two years ago, uh, we started talking as an ownership group about, um, you know, kind of coming up with some common, common, uh, short words that really were a framework around the why the, that we're doing things, how we make these decisions, why we're making these decisions, how we make them. Um, and, uh, at the time, you know, we, we do a lot of, we do a lot of meetings. We, we discuss things a lot. Uh, so, and we make a lot of decisions together. So there were a lot of situations where, uh, it sort of felt like, well, maybe this is unnecessary. Like we talk about this stuff all the time, uh, but putting it down in words felt like it was the right move at that time. So we got together, uh, I think it was in California at the time we got together and Gant was there. Um, this was, I think a little bit prior to Gant being, becoming an owner, um, but he was still there as an executive and we started discussing like, okay, is this, uh, you know, what, what are the things that, that really, really, really matter to us? Yeah. You know, I'll say that one of the things that was kind of key is we were growing as a company and as we're growing as a company, it's hard to get that IR way into everybody's mindsets and um, one of the things we decided that we need to do is we need to show people what we valued because uh, as long as people know where, where the value is, then we can trust them to do things without us actually observing every piece of it. And so it kind of put the challenge back on us. People say, well, what is the thing that you value? And that became the thing that we had to figure out for the foundation and pillars. Yeah, and it also gives uh, the team as well as us an opportunity to look for things where we're not living up to our values and to mention in a very specific way. For example, we might do something and one of the team members might be like, you're not exhibiting this particular pillar. Um, and that actually happens. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah. it, gives them, it gives them something to say. And then you say, yeah, yeah, you're right. I'm sorry. And then you redo it. So that's powerful. Um, I do want to say that I'm the kind of person who worked for, say, a big company or stuff, and I passed the 
the mission statement <laughs> on the wall. And whatever the mission statement said, it was either incredibly eye roll inducing or it was exactly opposite. So for instance, if you work for a company where they really didn't care about quality, guaranteed their mission statement said something about quality being number one, <laughs> which meant it was completely the opposite. Um, so I resisted doing any kind of mission statement just because of my, as, a, as an employee, the way I reacted to it, I didn't want that to happen. So I, I do feel after all the discussions and stuff, what we came up with is an accurate representation of what we already do. Uh, and it, and there's a few things that were probably a little aspirational and it is an accurate, uh, description of what we want to do in the future. Yeah, that's, that's a really good point because I've worked at those places too. And I wonder, you know, those listening, do you have a mission statement that's just on the wall and words only, or is it something that people kind of look at, or do you have the values and the foundation pillars for your company as well? I'm always interested in hearing that because it seems like there's no middle of the ground. Either you have one of those companies where they've identified what's important and that's not what's important to the company, or they actually kind of get it right and everybody, you know, marches to the beat of the same drum, understanding exactly what the uh, sort of the vision of the company is. Let's us scale uh, to, I think you alluded to that Gantt um, previously where, we can't be everywhere, make every decision uh, as the company grows. And uh, this allows people to kind of have an, an idea of at least the guiding kind of first principles of, of what we're trying to do here. Um, yeah. Now, they're not like super specific. Uh, they they have, they evoke more of a feeling and a, a, a general sense. Uh, we, we didn't really intend it for it to be extremely specific. It's not like a, a business plan or anything like that. This is these are just, um, these are values. Um, and we broke them into two pieces. So we had, uh, I mean, we, we started off like, okay, let's just do like a core values type of a thing. But, um, and we, we wrote down a bunch of stuff on like a piece of paper on an easel, uh, started throwing out nouns and adjectives and stuff. And (laughs) actually I want, I want to jump in there. That was, that was actually really fun. And I thought it was a little weird when we went but all of us sort of said, we need to go buy a giant piece of paper. Yeah. <laughs> it wasn't like our original thought process. Right. And that was by far the best thing. All of us staring at this giant easel and paper. Um, we started hitting a stride real fast. We, we so. did it in person. You know, this was this was something we felt that was we're a remote company. Uh, we don't have any problem recording a podcast episode, for example. Uh <laughs> Uh, thousands of miles apart. Right. Right, Todd. Uh, millions, <laughs> millions, <laughs> millions. Um, but, uh, at the same time, there are some things that you really need to, you really need to be in the same room. And, uh, I think actually the very first thing that we did, not that this matters too much, but very first thing we, we did was like actually make the decision. Yes. Gantz buying in. Um, yeah, because that was something we needed to, it was kind of like hanging overhead. Is Gantt an executive? Is he, uh, an incoming owner? How do, how do we handle this situation? And it was a unanimous, like, yes, Gantt's coming in. Like this is, this is happening. Um, and then once that was out of the way, then we started really working on this, which was, which meant that Gantt got a chance, even though he wasn't necessarily part of the founding owners, he got a chance to weigh in on something extremely near and dear to our heart. Uh, the company uh, as a whole. And so then we did split it up as, as we started going, we started realizing some of these are more important than the others. Like the, I mean, I shouldn't say it quite that way, but some maybe are more (laughs) core than others. They're all important. 
uh, but some are more central core, like very specific to who we were. And we ended up with three foundations and then we kind of envisioned it like a building, uh, and came up with, um, I guess it was four, uh, pillars Mm -hmm. then beyond that. Yeah. The difference between the foundation and the pillars is the foundations are never going to change. The pillars, although they're pretty solid may change. And that was kind of the, the line we drew there. Yeah. It's kind of funny, and we'll talk about this in a little bit. Um, one of the pillars I came up with, actually, at the beginning, everyone didn't want on there at all. <laughs> yeah. at, the end, it, at the end, that is one of the foundations that we agreed on, which made me very happy. So It's also, it's, I think, the one that is referenced by the team the most. Mm-hmm. Correct, and we'll talk about that in a, in a few minutes. But it's kind of interesting. The other thing we had to do, this wasn't... There were certain disagreements over the years between the owners um, on certain one certain aspects of the pillars and foundations. There was not there was disagreements. So this was an opportunity to finally, after many years, to finally agree and mm-hmm. make it make certain stands on where we see the things going and and what actually we do value. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's an old joke. Don't tell me the values of your company. Show me your budget, and I'll tell you the values of your company. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it was super important that this actually represented what we actually did. Otherwise, it would have been, I wouldn't, you know, it would be nothing. It would just be yeah. an exercise in futility. And, you know, Todd had confided that he was very afraid that once we kind of got there and we start to put these things together, that there might be an unmoved mover. You know, there might be this one thing where two people simply cannot agree. And that's a absolute real uh, difficulty, you know, as mm-hmm. long as it's not spoken, there can't be a real disagreement, but there can't be, you can't be held accountable either. As soon as it's actually put down, you know, so let it be written, so let it be done. It's, <laughs> it, it, it gets a little scarier. I think that that's true. Yeah, and I think at first it, there was that worry. Even uh, even though Ken obviously left the company, we, we talked about that in in, a, in another episode. Um, even he was really aligned with what we came up with too. So in the mm-hmm. end, it actually you know Todd didn't have to bring out his baseball bat. It actually ended up being uh, alignment on pretty pretty fundamental things in a way that was. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, between all four of us that really I thought was, was great. Uh, I came away with a, with a lot of positivity from that meeting. It was exhausting. It was, is difficult Uh because you really have to, you have to dig deep. You have to really think deeply. These things matter. Not that we couldn't change it down the road, you know, if, if need be, but, uh, (laughs) you know, if you're working on your house, like doing something to your foundation is expensive and uh, you don't (laughs) want to do that too often. Um, and yeah. for us, that was, I was definitely, we wanted to get it right. Um, mm-hmm. and I feel like we, we really did. Yeah. You know, naming things is hard. You know, we, we started off explaining some concepts and then you kind of get shorter words and more descriptive words. And sometimes you combine two ideas or one person argues that that's not nearly uh, as accurate of a word because, that includes too much, and that's not part of what we are. So we actively refined and threw ideas out there. 
And what was really funny is no one, it was a lot of yes and that was happening. Mm-hmm. And that wasn't by design because it was mm-hmm. we were willing to go ahead and stand our ground. As Todd mentioned, he put something out there and we're like, oh, I'm not so sure about that. And it not only stayed on the board, it just kept getting more and more inclusive on, on what the idea of what we wanted was. Yeah, and truthfully, to be honest, I I didn't have a baseball bat. It was more crying, a lot of crying on my part. <laughs> yeah, so let's not uh, let's not delay anymore. Let's just start going into what our pillars and foundations are. Uh, Gant, could you do me a favor? Pick a foundation and let's talk about it. Um, I think that one of the ones that we were especially looking at right then was IR controls its destiny. Um, that we're we're not just sitting there um, having things happen to us. We're a very proactive group, and that we call our shot and we go after it. And that's something that's very fundamental to us. So that's the one I would call out first. I think this kind of goes back. Uh, so yeah, if you're following on along, the actual foundation is IR controls its destiny. IR being infinite red. Um, and this is a collective infinite red. It's not just uh, us, us mm. owners, but it's it's the, the company as a group. Um, I think it goes back to sort of the, I guess, the our pasts. You know, we had worked at companies where we didn't have a lot of agency. Or in some, I know in, uh, maybe Todd would want to talk about a previous agency where he was reliant on um, maybe too few sources of, of clients and, and, you know, bigger kind of whale clients where they kind of had overt uh, influence on what his company could do. There are things, uh, even investors, uh, investors then kind of bring in their own level of um, uh, being, being able to kind of influence where, where they think that the company should go. And to all of us, the idea of having agency and uh, being able to say, this is where I want the company to go. Hey, we want to do this thing. And to be able to just make the decision and not have to go to someone else and ask permission to not have to go to some other place and, and hope that they rule in your favor. Um, those, those are just things that weren't all that interesting to us for us. If we're going to go through the, the, the sort of, you know, the, the risk and the, the hard work of building a business, we want also the ability to make decisions and enact, um, enact change. Yeah, well said. I don't really have much to add. I do want to emphasize that this also applies to the team. Yeah, you know, I'll I'll jump in here and say like um, one of our designers that we had hired, uh, she came in and she was like, "Y'all are gonna end up hiring me," you know. <laughs> it's like that's the best thing you know that could have happened. And most of the people who are movers and shakers, I tell a lot of people at Infinite Red exactly this: it's a place where you're going to end up where you want to be. Um, it's where you actually, what you're taking a step towards, we're a great place to not hold you back from kind of getting there. Um, you're, you're actually more of a force of holding yourself back or not knowing what it is that you want. But, um, we send people to conferences, we help people with their ideas. So I think like, um, this is something we encourage and that's foundational. Yeah. I want to clarify that, but we're not elitist, um, we're not looking to hire the very best people who are fully baked right. and already know everything. Uh, we're very happy with someone slowly going towards a goal as long as they're going towards it. Yes. This level of agency and, and kind of determination uh, over your de- destiny can be scary. And it can be uh, something that 
not everybody particularly wants or enjoys. Um, because like, uh, it also means that there's also a lack of, of certainty, you know, we're, we're, mm-hmm. we're kind of blazing a new trail. We're, we're making decisions that can, uh, they carry a certain amount of risk and risk means it can backfire. It can come mm-hmm. back to us and actually not work out. We've had some things not work out and that's fine. Uh, that's just part of, part of the gig, but we would rather have the ability to, uh, to take those leaps and not have someone else holding us back. This is the reason franchises are so popular. Uh, they're actually a bad deal financially. And the people I've known who've had franchises for a long time wish they didn't do it. But at the beginning, um, it, they tell you what to do. And they have a business model and they have everything. And it's a very easy way to do a business. And a lot of people enjoy the franchises they've built. So don't get me wrong. But um, having... <laughs> You know, controlling your destiny, like Jamin said, is is also a lot of responsibility. I mean, a franchise is like the counter, exact opposite of what what this pillar means, like or, or this foundation, I should say, it means we we could never do a franchise because it would just totally violate this this foundation. Correct. So that's a good one, uh, Jamin. Uh, which foundation do you want to talk about next? Um, let's talk about significant positive impact. Um, so you notice, I mean, these, as, as we list these out, they're not going to be one word things. They're, they're going to be a little bit there. We're going to have some, some modifiers there. Um, but this one kind of floated around a little bit as we were talking, we want impact. We want some sort of, uh, ability to make a little dent in the universe is kind of the, the, you know, the cliche. Um, but it wasn't just make a dent in the universe. There's plenty of people who have done that in a negative sense. Uh, there are plenty of people who've done that in such a small sense that you'd never know about them. Uh, so this is significant positive impact. Well, I think that, you know, we're in a weird world with software. I mean, for right now, I'm sitting in a room by myself, staring at a light box, talking into a wire. And the truth of the matter is, the big part about this is that it's going somewhere and it's affecting other people. That's the reason why we record this podcast. I think that's a big key aspect of what we want to do and what everybody at our company wants to do. And we keep hearing that from them. They want to do something and they want it to be important and they want it to help people. And that's something that it's not it's not going to happen by accident. For some people, and maybe some people on our team even, um, this is not ideal. For example... A lot of startups have very sexy products. They're they're impressive. When you tell your mother or you tell someone at a dinner party, it's impressive. You're you're changing the world, as it were. But the truth is, if you make truckers' lives much better, you're going to have a much bigger impact than optimizing, uh, you know, a stock exchange's mm-hmm. throughput. Mm-hmm. Um, you know. I mean, that, that may not be true. That's just an example. My point is often when making a positive impact is not doing the sexy thing for sure. We have, we have a lot of different ways that we do this too. And it's not always the client work that we do. Although client work is uh, what pays the bills and we do have an impact there. Um, uh, I would say that a lot of our significant positive impact happens outside of the client work that we do. There are a lot of examples of this. Chain React is a very good example. It's our conference, uh, React Native Conference in Portland in July, every July. 
and um, it impacts not just the developers that attend the conference, but also the speakers that come and, and give talks. And a lot of them are first time speakers or uh, kind of giving them an opportunity to be in, uh, to raise their profile. Uh, there are videos that we're putting out on our YouTube channel uh, from, from chain react that uh, help influence the conversation around react native and uh, change the industry, hopefully for the better. There are, um, then beyond chain react, we have open source that has impacted, uh, you know, thousands and thousands of people. I actually remember with one of my early open source projects, uh, the one that, uh, both Gant and Todd kind of got to know me, uh, when they, when they found out about it, uh, promotion. And I remember one time I went to a conference and there was a guy, I was hanging out with a guy and he, then heard my talk the next day and he came up to me and said, Oh, I didn't know last night that, that you had created promotion. Uh, the, that library actually gave me the confidence to continue and actually learn to build iOS apps. Uh, I was ready to give up before then. And this was something I didn't even know the impact that I had. Uh, and it was a positive impact. Um, and with the, like, like Gant said, the, the, the amazingness of software, uh, it allows it to be significant because it scales so amazingly. Uh, you have the uh, a way to distribute this, th- you know, throughout the world. We have people in many, many countries that are using our open source and reading our blog posts and watching our videos um, all across the globe. Uh, now, with uh, some efforts that that Gantt's doing, uh, it's starting to impact in in area in other parts of tech that we haven't even hadn't even been involved with before. Uh, so these are all examples of situations where we're we're having a positive impact on people's lives. Um, a lot of developers, specifically, that's kind of how we're oriented right now. And um, but we have uh, other other ways too. Remote work is a good example. People I uh, heard the other day, for example, Envision is internally using a system that we invented on this podcast in season one. Uh, called our, our hand queuing system, our finger queuing system that allows for us to take turns, uh, and know who's, who's going to go next on a video conference call Envision, The company uses it internally now. Uh, and they read about it on a blog post that I wrote. So, uh, these are the types of impacts that we like seeing. And I, I think you hit the nail on the head with our chain react conference, because that's one where we, we constantly have people coming up to us in person afterward. And they talk about how how welcome they felt. Mm-hmm. They talk about how comfortable they felt. One of the things that Jamin does at the very beginning of uh, Chain React is he announces the code of conduct to everybody, and he makes sure everybody's read it, make sure everything's cool, because that's that's the positive part. We want everybody who you know you could choose a lot of different professions. You could choose a profession solely based on money. You could choose one on ease. Um, a big part of what really kind of works out here is that we want people to be nice. <laughs> we want people to be friendly. And that's what the positive part of it. And I think that's actually a pretty good transition to our third foundation because it's at the core of all of these. And I definitely, I want Todd, if you could go ahead and bring that one up. Yeah, absolutely. I do want to interject one thing real quick. We're not saints, we're a for profit company, uh, we're not a nonprofit. Uh, we do try to maximize our profit. We want to give our team a good standard of living. We want to give ourselves a good standard of living. 
uh, and we are trying to collect as much capital as possible because then we can work on more and more interesting projects. Uh, I just wanted to bring that out. I don't want to. I didn't want to get the idea well, though. That back in there though, there there's a, p- a spot where that stops, and I think that that's what the foundation stops that at. Mm-hmm. Because yes, if we wanted to get a ton of money, we could get investors and just get uh, a lot of investments left and right. But then we wouldn't have control over our destiny anymore. Yeah, yeah. And first- then we we could take money from those uh, sort of the predatory businesses out there. And a, lot of, <coughs> a lot of tech companies do. But then you won't have a significant positive impact. Either. Yeah, and we could take advantage of our team and we can do a lot of things. So yeah, it does limit that in. I would say, I hope we're building a ethical, honorable, capitalist company who does make profit. Um, but I just, I just wanted to not, not, you know, uh, not make us out to be saints. That's all. Um, well, not you, Todd. Of course, not, not Jamin me. and I, we're, we're already there. <laughs> well, you, you mean by, Saint Jamin and Saint Gant. <laughs> Simply by uh, tolerating me, you both are saints. My wife tells me that all the time. It's um, our first miracle. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, but yes, it does uh, dovetail well into the next and last foundation. It's also the one that I brought up at first and that everyone poo pooed. And uh, then after the discussion that day, we ended up being not only a pillar, it became a foundation. And that one is one word. It's the only one word we have, and it's bonitas. Uh, this is a Latin word. There really isn't an English word for this. You could kind of translate it to kindness, um, but it's not really kindness. It, kindness, friendliness, benevolence, uh, blamelessness, uh, this kind of stuff. It grabbed a hold of most, and I think it most represents our culture. It's not... Kindness is... It's not exactly right. It's really hard to explain, but like we, we try to do it in our day-to-day um, interactions with our clients internally. We push Bonitas out into our conference, and I think a lot of people see that. You know, um, It's really, I would, it's kind of strong kindness, right? Yeah, I think benevolence actually is probably a little closer to it where it's the application of kindness with, with strength. Um, it's, it's the ability to, you know, we, we have, we have the ability to impact people. We know that. And we have the ability to impact people in a negative way or a positive way. And so Bonitas is, is kind of taking, um, taking responsibility for that and, and saying, we, we're going to use this in a kind and benevolent way. Um, but also in a way that like, is, you know, uh, as people look at it, it's like, yeah, that's, that's a good way. It, I, it's a very hard word to, <laughs> to use, to, to, to define in English, which is why we use the, the bonitas, uh, was that Latin you said? Latin. Yeah. Yes. Latin. Yeah, Latin. You know, and one of the other uh, definitions that you'll see under bonitas is blamelessness. And I think that that's, that kind of leans into what Jamin was saying earlier. It's about being strong. It's about owning up. It's about not, not, pushing your problems out on other people. And this all is sort of essential in order to run a successful and trusting remote company. Because I saw on Twitter the other day, they are making like office toilets tilted at angles now so that people can't like go (laughs) in there and get on their cell phones anymore. Oh man! And I just remember the, you know, like... 
just this this uh you know this whole world out there of people who don't trust each other but have to work together and it's it's totally not where we want to be man evil is so creative i love it it's <laughs> so that is so i would that's so ridiculous but um it is yeah i mean the the responsibility goes along with that let me give you an example if you have a coach doesn't matter what sport you're doing and you have a coach their job is to help you improve that's literally what a coach does uh, if a coach always tells you how wonderful you're doing, they don't care about you. That's being nice. True. That mm-hmm. is not having your uh, best interests at heart. A coach's job is to help you find the next thing to work on. Now, you can be a, a pretty big jerk if in that situation if you do, and that would not be bonitas. So, for example... We try to set up a, a, a culture where people feel, you know, they don't feel threatened by bringing up things they need help on. Mm-hmm. And we, the blamelessness too is in there. I've been in companies yeah. where we have a 45 minute meeting and it's all about who to blame. Yeah. It's like I used to just set up, hey, blame me. Now, can we work on getting it fixed? You know, it's so let's take responsibility. Something went wrong. Let's, work on it, you know, and we can, through the working on it, people who were to blame are going to learn, you know, lessons from that as we've tried to work through it as a team. But, you know, this kind of blaming others to avoid work is not really acceptable here. I think that really goes into one of our pillars. So we're, we're beyond the foundations now, those three, uh, just to, just to recap, Infant Red controls its destiny um, significant positive impact and bonitas. But, um, but what we were just talking about there with regard to bonitas goes into the high personal support, which is one of our pillars, one of our four pillars, high personal support is the manifestation of, and the application of that bonitas. Uh, we care, we really do care about our, our, uh, employees, about our team members. Um, and we want to provide, uh, not just high support in their job, you know, just, just like, okay, you know, you need help with your job. So I'm going to help you out with that. Although that's a big part of it, but also having high personal support, uh, there's a sit, you know, there might be a situation, you know, someone's, um, pet is not feeling well, or, um, they're just having a little bit of a rough week or something like that. Maybe their stress level from something personal is pushing their stress level at work high. Um, and, so we try to do things that, that give them the support and the understanding that they need. Uh, and because we understand that they're whole people, they're, they're, they're not just who we see at work, but they also, they lead lives beyond that. And, um, maybe someone just needs more sleep. You know, that's, that's an aspect, you know, they, they, when I don't get enough sleep, I get a little grouchy. I'm, uh, you know, I'm human. And, uh, and we try to understand that. Uh, we're not perfect about it, but we, this is this is a pillar. This is something we try and, and strive for. Yeah, and that's something I found. Uh, I'll just say, it is absolutely the core of how we do things every day. And you run into this a lot with software or sort of um, very scientifically minded kind of work, and people sort of forget that you need to do a little bit of soft skills. And I've seen Jamin come in and see somebody who's like, like, no, you remember that Saturday Night Live episode where the guy who fixes computers, he's like, 
move. And he would just push people out the way and fix their computer. Um, it's sort of, we, we, when you get too scientific, you can start to lose your humanity. And that's something that we come back and we hold people accountable. We said, you know, I know you gave this person those answers already, but it's okay to give it to them twice to give them that high personal support. Maybe they didn't hear it the first time. And Jamin, you actually do a great job of that here. One of the other things I want to let everybody know is that you message everybody and ask them what their stress levels are at consistently. So that way we can get early indicators on whether somebody needs some high personal support. And I'll say oh, another thing is I saw Todd earlier today talk to a team member who had reached out and said they were having trouble with a particular thing. And Todd volunteered a plenty of his time to go ahead and help that person, which is really, it's really a nice place to work. Yeah. And, and it's something whenever I tell developers this, they're like, oh, you could write a Slack bot for that. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, uh, yeah, okay. I think you missed the point here. <laughs> yes. I could write a Slack bot to message, you know, direct message every person and, um, and ask what their stress level is, but it's not that hard to copy and paste or even just write it out for, for every person in the company at the size that we're at. Um, and some people will just tell me, you know, like zero to 10 and, and uh, that's what I asked them. And some people will just tell me, oh, I'm at a three and I know that their baseline is, you know, a three. So, uh, they just never really go below a three. So, okay, cool. Well, we'll keep an eye on it, you know, or, uh, sometimes it's a seven and their normal is two. Uh, this is, this is a little bit of an issue. We need to, we need to, uh, we need to talk, uh, what, what are driving, what's driving that? Is there anything I can do to help? Is there anything anybody else can do? Um, and this is just a part of it is being just being a, a remote company, like, you know, you don't really pick up on the body cues and things like that. But I think it goes beyond being a remote company. I think even if you're not a remote company, you should be asking people this. And I don't know. I don't know how I don't know how common it is. It doesn't seem like it's super common. I do want to say this also applies to things that people are doing that are less than ideal. So, for example, one person is saying something, another person is getting irritated by that person, and they may have a perfectly valid reason to get irritated by it, and they get snippy with that person. That's a situation where I might say, look, I completely understand why you did that. I could see how that could be irritating. But what we're not going to do is be irritated with that person and ignore them or just go off and rant about it to someone else. I mean, sometimes ranting is fine, like gets off your chest. If people go out to drinks, I hope they're spending half the time making fun of me. That's what I would do. Uh, <laughs> it's 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 healthy outlet as long as it doesn't get ridiculous. Uh, but the the high personal support and the bonitas to that is this person doing something that's irritating you. No one here wants to irritate other people. I, we don't have those kind of people. We don't hire those kind of people. Um, and if we do accidentally hire those kind of people, we get rid of those kind of people. Uh, so they don't want to irritate. And by you like just getting irritated or maybe bad mouthing them behind the back or whatever, you're not giving them any support. It's not easy, but we need to let that person know that what they're doing literally is irritating, and yeah. they don't want you know and help them through that. And if if someone's not comfortable doing that, well, that's my job. They can tell me, and I can help them. And I do try to get Gant's really good at this. By the way, he can come in and say something pretty negative about something you're doing. And make you not feel defensive about it. He's much better at that than me. Yeah, um, he is. He's he's a lot better than me too. I um, a really good example of this was uh, one of our senior developers messaged me yesterday about something I had posted in our general engineering channel, 
And, um, uh, I had just, uh, sort of made a, a comment like uh, about how, how our, um, our GitHub repositories were not, were inconsistently named. And, uh, could we use a reasonable, what I said was, can we use a reasonable naming standard, uh, going forward? And he private messaged me very nicely. And he said, you know, I think they were probably reasonable to the person creating them at the time. Um, hmm. you know, it like probably wouldn't want to make that assumption that, that we were just being unreasonable and he was totally right. And I apologize. I said, and, and I went and edited the message and changed it to let's use a standard, you know, let's just use a standard, right? Like, and we didn't have one. And so of course the next question is what's the standard. <laughs> and I had to go <laughs> do some work and create a, a standard. Um, but then we were, we were better off because of it. Um, but he said it in such a way that it was not at all like offensive to me, but it also got the message across that what I had said was maybe just, just a little irritating. The only way that what Jamin just described there, which is fantastic. The only way that works is if people are comfortable enough doing that and they feel that they can be vulnerable, especially coming to one of the owners and we have a process if they aren't comfortable coming to the owner that did it. They should go to the other owners, and then that owner will break it to that owner, especially because something might deal. trigger that person. Everyone has triggers. We try to learn people's triggers, and we try to avoid them. Yeah, and a big part of this is scalability, and that that has to be embedded in trust because, you know, they say one hour of planning saves you three times that in execution. And it might seem to people that, oh, talking about people's feelings can slow down a company. Not as much as when everybody gets upset, but they don't tell anybody. Then they're all just sitting around doing nothing. So what's great about the example you just had, Jamin, was someone was able to reach out, fix the situation, and that little bit of time got everybody on the right track. And then you came up with that standard. You started researching it. Mm -hmm. I've seen companies where the problem is a person won't go back and edit. A person won't. You know, they'll stand their ground emotionally. They'll feel attacked emotionally or other people who normally this would have just gone fine. Next thing you know, that meeting is happening for three hours on how to have a basic conversation and no one's looked up a standard. <laughs> so what's really funny about it is by being very mindful of each person and by holding each other accountable, this really helps out. And I think that kind of ties into the fact that we're looking at that longer term picture anyway, because, you know, it does feel like a little bit of extra. But um, another one of our pillars is a long term viewpoint. And that kind of comes back to IR controls as destiny, but it's the embodiment of that. And one of the things that we we happily call each other out on, if somebody has a short term sort of opinion of something, we try to say, well, what's the long term viewpoint of that? How does this actually play out? And a lot of the plans that we make are actually, we ask that question a little bit more now. That's why I'm really happy with that. That's one of our pillars. That was a, that was a smooth, smooth transition there. Can't I, I was, I was pretty impressed. Yeah, I like it. I almost believed it. <laughs> uh, high personal support, Todd. So this, this particular pillar also, um, informs how we make decisions, um, and in an example of this, someone might come to us and say, Hey, I'm not really sure, you know, how I fit into the vision for infinite red, for example. Um, and, and we try to put that into, into place. That's something we really care about making sure everybody understands how they fit into the vision. 
But one of the things that's important for them to realize is that we are taking a long-term viewpoint. We're not in this to build us to a certain level and then exit. Um, our exit strategy is, well, very long-term. I'll just say that. Um, death. Which, <laughs> death, right. So we're not going to make decisions that uh, that benefit a you know, a, a particular short-term goal. It's going to be something that fits into a long-term goal. And some things can be short-term, you know, like, Hey, we need to move quickly in order to make this thing happen. But they're always in the context of a much longer, longer time frame. And you see this happening with things like how we've, um, how we've kind of moved into react native and, uh, kind of built up a community there and become a part of the community. This was part of a vision that we had when we, when we founded the company and we've been executing on that ever since and it's worked. Um, and it's been a big core piece of who we are. Uh, but four years, that's nothing. That's, you know, that's, that's no big deal. Like, uh, we're going to continue doing this for quite a while. I see one of the things that I've always heard and I really appreciate is celebrate all victories and with a long-term viewpoint, a step in the right direction is just as celebrated. And I think that this takes the pressure off a little bit because if you've got one quarter in order to go ahead and execute an entire plan, I could tell you, I came to a plan uh, with the owners about, I want to say like a year ago, and it's a multi-phase plan. It's a, It was a really, really long plan. And we're on stage, we're just starting stage four of five. Mm-hmm. And what's really great about that is I was able to do that because it's okay to have a really long-term viewpoint of this kind of thing. Otherwise, people have to um, turn around and think about everything like shareholders and and try to like manufacture and game benefits, which is weird. I think the biggest reason that we need this pillar, though, is because we have a long ways to wait until Todd grows up. <laughs> Fact. <laughs> That is true. So that was our long-term viewpoint. We have two pillars left there, creative collaboration and pioneering spirit. Let's knock a quick one out real quick. Who wants to take pioneering spirit? I can take this one. I think when we were discussing this, we were down to, I think we had six at that time. And um, it was feeling like we were just about done. But I kept having this little thing in the back of my mind, like there's something missing here of of our pillars. Um I really feel like we, we nailed it, but there was just something that didn't, it didn't really describe yet, uh, some of the actions that we had taken. This was actually slipped in at the very end. We almost forgot this one, but it's totally true about us. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Uh, so we are going to talk about creative collaboration, which is, uh, the previous one. I want to kind of put that into context there because these ones were all, all already there. Um, but, um, and then I think it was Ken who said uh, being a pioneer or pioneering. And so we came up with pioneering yeah. spirit, uh, which really fit. Uh, but that was what I was trying to kind of get out uh, of my brain. Mm-hmm. It was floating around in my brain that we we have since before we were uh, before we were a full team, um, we were always really uh, we were really focused on kind of forging new ground, uh, moving into sort of cutting edge technology, cutting edge areas, uh, you know, being remote as one of the first remote companies, um, or at least uh, certainly part of the early trend in the industry. Um, 
being able to kind of just, you know, not just follow some predefined, uh, you know, path. This kind of goes back to our, uh, controlling our destiny. Um, but definitely I, I love new technology. I love learning new things. I love sharing new things, you know, blazing a trail for other people, uh, that, those are all things that were really important to us. So this idea of pioneering spirit really, really spoke to me. Yeah. Pioneering is not a word that we throw around very often. And that that's the problem is there's not many words that mean that we had a lot of trouble finding out how to mention what it is that we do in a word that really captures it. And that was one right at the end, I think talking about pioneering something, you know, just kind of going after it and, just not knowing what's there and being okay with that and being willing to go in and document it and, and identify it and bring that stuff back. That's, that's what we were trying to capture. I kept trying to say trailblazing, but they all thought I was talking (laughs) about the NBA team and wanted me to shut up about basketball. Yeah. Sport. uh, Jamin likes to throw in a lot of sports ball analogies. I'll say I'm just going to punt on this one. What is she talking? Is that is that when the other team catches the ball? It's when the hockey team hits the puck into the unt, the punt. Oh, from the Latin see, word punt, meaning to kick. <laughs> That's right. No, I think they use a bat. Oh, uh, it's probably. Why would they use an animal? I don't understand that. <laughs> it has to be some kind of mammal. I think. I think it's a requirement of the, of the league. Yeah. Yeah. According to Calvin of Calvin and Hobbes, bats are bugs. So, oh, well, the great philosopher Calvin has rarely been wrong. It's true. Well, now that we all know about Quidditch, <laughs> I think the pioneering spirit, it was, it was something that showed up to, f- I think that was the bow on top for us. Yeah. And pioneering spirit is risky. It's something that we were going to do regardless if we said it or thought about it, we're it's just kind of in our, in I'd our get, DNA. I'd get pretty bored if we didn't if we didn't have that. And I think it's mm-hmm. important that we're all engaged in this in this <laughs> endeavor. We don't don't get bored. Yeah. So the last one is creative collaboration. I'll go ahead and start this one off. This one actually is important. It's simple. Uh, we want to have high collaboration between our team. We want to have high collaboration between leadership and the team. We want to have high collaboration with our clients and high collaboration with the community in general. That's pretty straightforward. Creative um, creative just means that we favor creativity. Um, mm-hmm. uh, we're not favoring you know, other things above that. It's not that we don't do other things. Like A good example is quality. You'll see nowhere in our Pillars of Foundations quality. It doesn't mean we don't strive for good quality, but it's not going to push out something else. Um, for instance, we could hire... Let's say we want a designer. We can hire the best designer in the world, but this person is a complete jerk and doesn't exhibit any of the IR way. We wouldn't do it. We're not placing quality above the other things, for example. Um, but the creative collaboration, we do favor creativity. And I think whether you're a designer, you're a developer, you're a maker of any sort, it's a creative job. Um, it's, you know... Programming and developing has a lot less to do with math and a lot more to do with art than most people understand. Uh, collaboration was a significant decision of us because it would alienate some people we might hire uh, who really want to just be heads down. They want to go off into a corner. They want to work on something for a month. They don't want to collaborate. 
So that just choosing that as yes, this is actually is a pillar for us is excluding an entire group of people who might fit everything else. Yeah, one of the things about this is those two words together, and it sounds kind of, I guess to the first time someone hears it, like we were going for the alliteration or it sounds cute. But I want to say creative collaboration comes out of experience. We have allowed people to be creative without collaborating. That has been an entire endeavor that we've learned our lessons from. We've had people be um, collaborative, but just sort of collaborating on the same kind of thing. One of the best parts about this and what we've taken from our experience of the company, and the company was already existing, running, doing well, is that we can't have one of those without the other. That's something that we strive that those two pieces go together. And it sounds weird because, oh, well, you know, you could, you could have a person kind of go off on their own and come back and report. But that's that's really alien for us, and it, and it actually doesn't work as well as it might work for I don't know some data science job. Yeah, it definitely doesn't work very well. We've had some interesting things come out of R and D projects where people have gone away and kind of done it on their own. But generally speaking, what happens is they suffer in terms of adoption. They t- tend to kind of miss the the mark in ways where that mirror the the blind spots of the person who kind of went away into their cave and and tried to come up with the the silver bullet. Um, and uh, that can include us too. Like if I went away and tried to build something that was that I thought was going to be the most amazing thing, I'm going to have a hard time getting it adopted because I'll usually miss the mark. Where you know, I just implemented, for example, um, Notion, which is an app, uh, kind of a note taking app, and we did it in a way that was like, let's start with an experiment. Let's you know, here's an idea of a way to you know creatively kind of. Um, uh, make us a little more, actually a little more collaborative as was the aim. And, um, uh, but let's do it in, let's do it in a way that kind of brings in everybody and lets people kind of share their ideas of how to organize things, how to share progress. Um, one of our developers, uh, Robin actually created a new channel that, that posts, um, I think she set it up to, to post notifications from a particular, uh, a particular note in notion, uh, because that was a very, you know, highly, uh, there's a lot of change happening to that note. So there were, there were different ideas that kind of came around and the way that we evaluate those is like, let's, let's run it for a month and then let's go back and say, how did it work? If it worked well, it's going to be obvious. If it didn't work well, it's going to be obvious. It's, it's going to be obvious to everybody. You don't have to like, uh, champion it all the way through. Like I'm going to, I'm going to be that person who's going to make this happen here at infinite red. No, it becomes obvious, but let's, let's have a, an openness to discovery and you know, that pioneering and that creativity, but then do it in a way that includes other people. I just feel like going off and doing things, being creative on your own is almost always doomed to failure or at least missing the mark in a way that is very, very critical. So I remember fighting for the two, words together because I really felt like, cause I think we had creativity on the board and creativity was, re- is really important to us, but I just mm-hmm. kept remi- remembering those situations where mm-hmm. it was one person being creative and it just did, it doesn't sit right. And it's not really who we are. So just to recap, the pillars are high personal support, long-term viewpoint, creative collaboration and pioneering spirit. So those are the four, uh, there are seven altogether, three, of the foundation and four pillars. And what was very impressive to me is that we, you know, we reviewed them 
uh, I think it was a year later and we all, we mm. still felt very, very like unified on them. Felt like they were pretty much complete in terms of what we would consider a foundation and pillar. Of course we build on those and, and flesh out the rest of the house that way. But, uh, but those, those were very, they, they've withstood this, the, the test of time, uh, and even an owner leaving, which is, which is very important. So I, I'm very happy with what we came up with there. And then we introduced them to the team and, uh, the team has like, uh, Todd said earlier, uh, the team has sometimes, you know, told us, Hey, you need to live up to this, uh, this pillar mm-hmm. or this foundation. That happens a lot. Yeah. And it's really important uh, that they'd be able to do that. And then we can do the same to them. We can say, these are the things that we expect from you. And, and one of the things I think that's really great about this is because before it was written, we were held accountable or we were holding people accountable to things that like it's sometimes it was people's first time hearing it. And so like Todd mentioned earlier, um, we really we care about quality as long as quality fits into our foundation and pillars. We care about money as how it fits in there. We care about uh, a lot of things. We just one of the problems is when you don't put these things out there, um, each person has their own internal interpretation of exactly what that means. And that's not a company. That's a group of people trying to get the same answer, but not not being told. Yeah, I was I was pretty shocked, actually, how much how well the team took to it and how much they bring it up. Hit us up on Twitter if uh, if you if you have any thoughts about that. Uh, Gantz is at Gant Laborde. Uh, mine is at Jamin Holmgren and Todd's is at T Worth. Um, you know, let us know what you think about these these foundations and pillars. We'd we'd love to discuss them more. As this episode of Building Infinite Red comes to a close, be sure to check out this episode's show notes. We love it when the listeners to Building Infinite Red leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or give us a shout out on their social channels. Feel free to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, and anywhere else you listen to podcasts. Have a question for the owners? Reach out to them on Twitter. Their Twitter handles are on the show notes page. Or you can join the hashtag podcast channel on the Infinite Red Slack community at community.infinite.red. Thank you so much for listening to Building Infinite Red. We'll talk to you next time.